Before we get into the episode, got to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Open Fortune. Open Fortune flipped the cookie, fortune cookie on its head, changing the traditional roots by making it an ad platform. They made partnerships with Big Fortune Cookie, which is a thing, reaching 47,000 restaurants, 99% of zip codes, and giving a brands a chance to reach their consumers when they were, will remember it. In a world where people see three to 5,000 ads a day, these fortune cookies burn your brand into their mind. So big shout out to Open Fortune for making today possible. Hey everybody, and welcome back to How the Fuck Did You Get That Job, where we dive deep into the trajectories of industry trailblazers. And as always, your ever curious hopes seeks the inside scoop. Stepping into the hot seat today is the remarkable Liz Simon. With a distinguished tenure at General, General Assembly, Liz navigated her way from Associate General Counsel to the pivotal role of COO over eight impactful years. Prior to that, she lent her expertise to the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services as Counselor to the Director. Now, she's steering the ship as COO of Industrious. So, Liz, how the fuck did you get that job? Oh, man. Um, great question. I love the question. I ask myself sometimes the same one. And it's a long story, but I can start wherever yeah, I think would we be go, helpful to I, start. I, I like, <laughs> I mean, it might feel like a therapy session a little yeah. bit, but like start all the way back and like what you wanted to be when you grew up, like in first grade when your teacher came up to you and said, so Liz, like, what do you want to do? You want to be an astronaut? What do you want to be? No, I... Well, one of my dreams of becoming a professional ballerina were crushed by the fact that like I wasn't tall enough or good enough. Um, I pivoted quickly, and as early as I can remember, by like eighth or ninth grade, like I was obsessed with politics and history and government, and I was super nerdy, and that's what I was really into. And I knew I wanted to go into po like work in politics. I knew I wanted to go to law school. I knew I wanted to be a lawyer. I was really into like civil rights impact policy, public policy, like that kind of world. And so I feel like from a really early age, I like had a direction to the chagrin of my like parents who are both doctors. They were like, what, anything but going to law school. And so what, I, what kind of doctors were your parents? Uh, psychiatrist and neurologist. Right, my mom was a psychiatrist yes. and my dad's a gastro. Yes, a yeah. lot of. So some, some Jewish doctors. A lot yeah, of Jewish doctors, yeah, 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 yeah. a lot of Jewish doctors. Yeah. Uh, and you know, they weren't so, thrilled about a lawyer, but, you know, that there, was what I wanted to do. There you so, go. So yeah. from a young age, you knew, right? Yeah. So where did you decide to go to college and, you know, what made that the race of pot for you? I went to Cornell for undergrad. I grew up in Detroit, so um, pretty much everyone I knew was going to Michigan, University of Michigan or Michigan State. And I was like, I got to get out of here. Like, time to go elsewhere. So I found the, like, biggest for this away school that I like you know felt like would be a good fit for me I picked Cornell still the cold weather though still the cold I weather yeah wasn't getting away from that um and it was good like I think spiritually it was good for me to get away and have to do something really independent like I didn't know anybody when I went there um I think that forced me to grow a lot uh, I think if I went to Michigan I would have stayed friends with the same people I sure. would have not really kind of expanded as much although like reflecting back I'm like was it worth $50,000 a year when I could have like gone to Michigan for free? Um, probably not, That's but like, you know, whatever. You had a good experience. <laughs> I had a good experience. Um, and I, I majored in government. I was like very focused. That was like what I was into. I, so, so where yeah. were you trying to, uh, like, what was your route, I guess, and what was your game plan in college? And then how did it play out right after college? Yeah, I mean, I, 
in the summers, in co- even in college, I worked on congressional camp. Like I worked on political campaigns. I was really involved in like college Democrats. I was like that was the like the direction that I was interested in, and um, so. But I kind of wanted law school as a means to an end. I didn't really want to be a lawyer so much as like I wanted to go to D.C. and work mm-hmm. in D.C. And and is if you want to work in D.C. is a getting a JD like pretty yeah, much I, I mean, a prereq? Or? I think it is it it is or was at least conventional wisdom at the time that like yeah that'll help you if you want to like make policy. Sure, you should know shit about the law and like you should know how you know how laws work and uh, so. And it, I think at that time, I mean, almost 20 years ago, like it was way more acceptable to just like go to grad school as a thing to do after college, which I think we've a little bit like not completely moved past, but I think the the feeling about the utility of that has changed over mm-hmm. time with like you know cost of education and things like that. Like, I'm not sure I would make the same decision today. Sure. Um, but at the time, I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. And I went straight from went college. straight to D.C.? I went straight from college to law school. Oh, okay. And I went to Michigan. So I came back home to Michigan. Go Blue. Which, go Blue. Yeah. Um, had the, like, Big Ten college nice. experience that I didn't have at Cornell. Yep. Which was great. Um, met my Zingerman's. Zingerman's. Obviously, a lot of sandwiches. Yep. Um, a lot of football games. Met and, my and you met your husband. now husband. Nice. Um, who also never wanted to become a lawyer and was also interested in politics, and so we kind of had like a shared shared so, connection. So how did I like asking about significant others? Yeah. We almost had him on the show today. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> uh, in the future we will. But how how did he impact your career and like how did he support you? Well, what's interesting is like in law school there were we were in Michigan and everyone was kind of like, you know, in the summers you have these jobs and everyone wants to go to New York or they want to go to Chicago because you're in the Midwest or whatever. And there were like five people that wanted to go to DC. Not a very popular, for at least for Michigan Law School, like it was not the popular destination. And so we, we were both going to DC for like summer internships and, you know, we had that connection. And actually early on, and this is kind of a pivotal moment type of thing, like, he was the first person to say, like, hey, do you know about this guy, Barack Obama? Like, in... And what year is this? This is, like, you know, January 2007. Like, I'm thinking about, like, I have some friends who are getting involved with his campaign. Like, are you, like, you know, would you be interested in getting involved, like, while we were still in school? Um, would you be interested in getting involved in the campaign? And we and we did, and, and that like was a pivotal moment, I think, for both of us. So, how involved were you in the Obama campaign, and then also pretty involved? So, yeah. I mean, I throughout my whole third year of law school, basically, my husband and then boyfriend and I attended very little school and took a lot of leaves of absence and traveled around with the campaign. I was um, on the policy staff of the campaign so I was you know so take me under the hood like what what does it look like being on the road show well in the primary states I was doing every job from like knocking on doors to like making phone calls and whatever because like there's no need for a policy platform unless Mm -hmm. you like actually get the nomination and whatever and so I you know besides the initial getting it spun up so you know I went to five primary states I knocked on doors in the cold and in Des Moines Iowa and what did that experience teach you Vegas and I talked to a lot of people like it's just I don't know front lines front line real front line stuff like doing that work is in some ways really motivating and in some ways really long days really draining yeah Uh, but but special and I look back and think like man that was a moment in time 
And it's like a game for the young, in yeah. my opinion. Like, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like a, you know, probably, you kind of yeah. got to be like willing to like schlep around in like, you know, two feet of snow in Des Moines, Iowa to like talk about Barack Obama. You know, it's like. Yeah, not have kids. And yeah, that, yeah, totally. So, so yeah. And then after we graduated law school, we both moved to Chicago where the campaign headquarters was. We, and we were there through the election in 2008. So, so did you, and then did you work full time for that? Yeah, I worked full time right after I graduated law school. I worked full time for the campaign, um, and uh, did that through the election in two thousand and eight. I had already accepted a job, like one of my summer internships during law school, was at a law firm, and I had already accepted a job to go work at the law firm, and so they let me push out my start date so I could work on the campaign. And then after the election, when he won, I was how moving. rewarding was that? When uh, I mean, it's just like a life, like once in a lifetime. All that, yeah. like. It, you know, I'll remember that night forever. Like, what about it? Just the joy, the accomplishment, the like, the fact that it was such a historic moment, mm -hmm. and having such a small part in it, like, it just felt if super like cheesy, but it did feel like a world-changing kind of moment. Yeah, um, and it was exciting to be a part of that that's so so cool to see yeah. your hard work pay off and then so you end up taking the, the legal job right i do i take it my husband does not he goes straight to working in the obama administration i take the legal job i spend th this is at the time by the way that like you know we'd just gone through the like financial crisis in the fall of 2008 law firm life sucks in many ways like but at least did you have that expectation going in i did and it's like you know you kind of know what you're stepping into sure. you're kind of making a trade-off to yeah. like it's not too taboo everybody kinda no knows, everybody yeah. kind of knows but i was like at least i'm going to like you know a pretty humane place with nice people sure. and, and it turns out like there just wasn't a lot of work like there wasn't a lot of like like the business was slow because the financial crisis, like yeah. you know, like so what, so what were you doing? Sorry, I'm so just I, no, it's fine. So I ended up like it's hot under here. I ended up having a great experience because there wasn't that much like kind of normal work to do. I got to do a ton of pro bono work. That's great. I got to like be in landlord tenant court. I was doing like all kinds of fun projects and it. So I had a kind of an atypical experience, but I left after like. What, so what was the moment that you realized it wasn't for you then? Because it sounds like a I mean, I kind of knew it was always not okay, for me. Okay. Like I knew I wanted to like you know essentially bank a little money, pay back some of my student loans, sure. and then like move on. So I Thanks. spent about a little under two years there. And as soon as I got a job in the Obama administration that was one I was excited about, I was... And what were you doing for them? And how'd that phone call kind of come to you? Well, or if you, were, you, if you work on the campaign, you basically get thrown into a lottery, into or not a lottery, like a database of like, here are all the people that worked on the campaign. And then there's like a whole team of people that's your their job. And you had is, your boyfriend on the, yeah, yeah. On the staff already. Yeah, well. like their job is to get people who worked on the campaign jobs. So like they basically like try to place everybody who worked on the campaign in jobs, um, depending on your level and whatever. And I, I ended up with this job working at this agency called U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, which no one ever has heard of. It's part of DHS, Homeland Security. I have no background in anything related to So you got your security clearance, yeah, all that good Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I have no background in anything related to immigration. I'd, like, maybe handled, like, one pro bono asylum case or took something. Took a class or something. Yeah, like, mean. didn't know, yeah, literally, in law school, took a class, didn't know anything. But mm -hmm. I'm really attracted to leaders that, like, I'm excited about working for. And I'd heard all these wonderful things about the person who was leading this agency who was going to be my boss. And they, a lot of 
you know, a lot of the like, common wisdom or advice about these jobs is just like, kind of like hitch your wagon to someone great. <laughs> and it like doesn't matter so much like where you are. And, and so that's what I did. And and I- What, what about uh, his or her leadership yeah. style? I, so this this guy, his name's Ali Mayorkas. He actually now is the DHS, like Homeland Security Secretary. Oh, wow. Um, he, he was a former U.S. attorney from L.A., and he was just no, had like this reputation of being a really kind of like transformative leader, really inspiring, great with vision, great with people, established a great work culture. When, when people have a lot of good things to say, word of mouth is. Totally. So I, I was just like, this feels good. Like, it feels like he has got like a change agenda. He seems like I could learn a lot from him. I, you know. I love the idea of being really inspired by somebody and like was really passionate about the work. And so I took the job knowing nothing about immigration. It was at the time, like there were a lot of things going on. There was um, there was like talks of comprehensive immigration reform in Congress, which obviously failed, but like we did a lot of work on that. There was the DACA program, the deferred action for children who'd come to the US or who were born in the US. Um, and getting them, you know, a path to citizenship that we did. And my beat was kind of a weird one, but it ended up becoming like, you know, a lot of immigration, a, a lot of the sort of concerns or stakeholders around immigration are tech companies, often large tech companies like Microsoft or whatever, who like, you know, they bring a lot of people in on visas. They have a lot of interest in like employment related immigration. And so I ended up spending a lot of time with tech companies, large and small. Um, and and what intrigued you about those companies? I just, I, I loved meeting entrepreneurs. Like I loved meeting people who are just, I don't know, doing creative things, starting stuff. I got to see where they were working because part of it was like, the government doesn't know anything about like startups. How could you possibly make decisions about like you know, whether this person has an outstanding talent that should come to the U.S. or whatever? Or like, and I, so I got really hooked on like hang out with these people and like kind of seeing some of the creative stuff that was going on and and government is amazing in the kind of impact you can have and I think impact has been one of those themes that kind of motivates my career but it's also just soul crushingly slow and bureaucratic and everything has like a million eyes on it you can't move fast you can't just like make things happen quickly without like was there a moment when you knew you were ready to 17 layers of approval and blah, yeah. blah blah and whatever and so just like really so long you could I did that job for almost for a little over three and a half years which is a long time um and at that point I felt like I gotta get out of DC like it felt a little kind of like soul crushing mm -hmm. of like immigration reform had died are we ever gonna make change are we ever gonna make progress and sort of like you know so like I don't want to say I was disillusioned but like it did feel like I needed a break and I needed to do something that felt really different and it was the very beginning also no in addition to like so i spent a bunch of time with tech companies um i you know was starting to hear it was starting to be in the media a lot more like the clash between tech and regulation so whether it was uber or airbnb you know having conflict with you know policymakers i was like oh that's interesting like i know law i know policy i do a lot of communications work in my job i'm like you know i feel like i could like sell myself to one of these companies. So I actually interviewed to be like the number three person on the policy team at Airbnb. Um, and I was like, that's what I'm gonna go do. Um, and they were just like, we're slow and making a decision, whatever. In the meantime, I got a call from a friend 
who was one of the co-founder uh, or a mutual friend who was a co-founder of this company General Assembly and I didn't know anything about them and I'm like oh there's a school that like teaches like tech skills that's cool what kind of policy like challenges could they have and it turns out they were running unlicensed schools all over the country at the time Interesting. they were a few years old and they basically started schools not like schools for adults like not ever thinking like oh you might need to be get a license to do that or like that so there's any sort of regulation they were just like of, what kind of stuff are they teaching and who are they, they teaching te- to they were teaching software engineering ux design digital marketing product management data science in person in person in locations in new york in boston in san francisco in la just all kind of under the totally just rogue under two adults i mean typically people had gone to college who were looking to career change or whatever without getting like a full mba yeah exactly like it was a you know they're kind of like three-month accelerated program boot camp style programs designed to like help without the mba cost yeah help you change careers which i think is a great model i loved that but they were running all these unlicensed schools, and they're like, "Well, do we need a lawyer? Do we need like a lobbyist? Like, what do we need? I don't know." That's so funny. I could just yeah. imagine them under there to be like, "We should probably totally." They're make like, this "We should legal. call somebody," and like, "I don't know who we should call." <laughs> and they literally like, "What should we do?" And I was like, "We well, could hire me." Call Liz. Yeah. yeah. No, I was literally said like, "You could hire me," and I wrote a job description. I'm like, "Here are the things I could do for you." They didn't know. I mean, they were like, you know, young yeah. founders who. And had, how many like, people are at the company at this point? Forty, maybe. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, you know, they just raised a Series B. It was pretty early stage. Um, they didn't know what the fuck they were doing, and that was my first job. Is like I was like, okay, figure out how to like. They had cease and desist letters from like several states sitting so in their like, you know, in their inboxes, and they're like, we don't know what to do. So that was like job one, and then I got there, you know, and after about four or five months of like cleaning up the like burning fires, which took a long time. It wasn't done in that period of time, but they were like do you also review contracts? And I was like, I mean, I could do that. Like, I'm not really trying to be a lawyer here forever, but like, you know, sure. Like, I'm more qualified than you are to do that. Sure. So I just started doing the rest of the legal work, and that turned into me becoming the general counsel and hiring a team. It's interesting you say that, too, because (laughs) a lot of the people, a reoccurring theme, and I said this in a power podcast, is a lot of people have created the jobs. Totally. That Like, how the fuck did you get that job? Like, I created it. I I literally wrote, they didn't know, they didn't know what to call it, they didn't know what I would do, they didn't know how to manage me, and I literally was like, here are the things I'm going to get, I'm going to do, I'm going to check in with you, and I'm going to tell you how I'm doing against them, but like, that's it. That's that's awesome. And what about that spot made it, you you spent eight years there? I spent eight years there. And... Something was good enough to spend eight I years, mean, right? Like why, my why? job changed consistently. As a startup. Like, I think, like... As I, it is. Yeah, like, yeah. I kind of feel like every, you know, nine to 12 months, there's a new challenge or a new job. So it feels like I had, like, 10 different jobs in that time. And in particular, in the last two years, I was able to pivot to become COO, which... I didn't know was what I wanted to do. I didn't so set is, out to do that. what does a COO yeah. do for those who may not know? I'm a COO. And even myself, because at different companies, it's completely yeah, different. Yeah, at so. different companies, it's totally different things. Yeah. And it's often defined in relation to, like, what the CEO doesn't want to do or yeah. isn't good at or whatever. And and so the interesting part about me becoming COO at GA is, like, two things happened. One, I went on maternity leave, and I had my son. And I had hired an amazing team of people, and I basically came back and 
I had worked myself out of a job, which I think for some people is a really scary thing. But I came back and I was like, oh, shit, I like actually like, they don't they don't really they need. don't really like need me anymore doing the things that I was doing before, which which means you were good again, at building a yeah, team too. is is a great thing and a scary thing. Sure. And at the same time, we have been selling. We we sold the company. Actually, the deal closed while I was on leave. Oh, that's great. Um, so we sold the company. Our COO, long time like president and COO, left. And you know, our CEO is this amazing guy, Jake Schwartz, close friend, like very visionary, not in the details day to day. So my role as COO was very much like how the company runs day to day. So like, what, did, what did you learn from that experience? I mean. I learned a lot about like how to and how not to run a company. Like I was managing more teams than I'd ever managed before, new discipline, like you know, disciplines that I didn't know anything about, like product or marketing. Like I was not an expert in those things, but I had to figure out like, okay, how do I add value to teams where I'm not a subject matter expert myself, unlike legal or whatever, where it's like I'm I know I'm good at that. Like I know what good looks like in marketing and product and stuff. It's like I don't know what good looks like always, but how do I become a leader who can command a team where I'm not the expert. And so I think that was one of the big learnings or challenges for me. I'm not sure I have even mastered that today, but I think that is one of the things that when you go from like, I'm the leader of a functional thing that I'm an expert in to like, now I oversee all these things and have to figure out how they all connect together. That to me was kind of the new challenge of, of in my role as COO. Absolutely, and so you go from, you know, being in the, on the Obama ad- yep. administration yep. to more of that education background, right? And then it's to, <laughs> you know, co-working yeah. and, and, you know, All commercial right, let, real estate. Let me pitch you on what the connection yeah. is. Yeah. Okay, two things. One, impact, and two, future of work. So I really think about GA... And my time there is like, that was all about changing the nature of like how people get skills. Sure. And all about, you know, how we hire, how we get skills, how we, like, what skills matter in the world of work. And I think about Industrious as a future of work company in that it is all about like how and where we work. And from an impact lens, what resonated about the mission of what they were doing is like, I d- well, I'll say, I don't think I would have taken this job before the pandemic. I don't think I would have been interested enough in this company but I think the how and where we work is one of the most impactful and Absolutely. interesting like questions that so, touch all of us right now. What about Jamie's vision or the other founders really was set, set them apart? I mean... And how did they define the future of work? I will say, one, I know, J- I know Jamie personally, and like we actually grew up in the same town oh, cool. in Metro Detroit. And so socially we knew each other a bit, and I really liked him, and I think having a relationship with of trust with someone that you work for and not having to like build to that but like you know, having it on day one like I think some people are scared like should I work with friends and I'm like no it's amazing like you can say things to each other on day one that like could take years to build up sure. to but I I just I mean I think the industrious product felt very differentiated to me in the landscape of like what is co-working out there like it's a premium it's a much more premium product it, I'd never been in a it's much more hospitality and sort of service oriented. Like it feels more like going to a high end hotel, which like happens to be a thing I like. And like, so to me, the experience of being an industrious felt really different. And, you know, I kind of felt like the company was well positioned maybe relative to other people in the sector to like, you know, have this kind of 
unwritten story for the taking. So what was, you know, what? why did Jamie bring you in? And what were the pain points that he was looking for you to solve? Well, they had a long-term COO who left and after like a long and like wonderful tour of duty who actually is somebody that I referred to the job because he worked with me at GA before that. So it kind of small world. Um, and they, the company was coming out of COVID and it was fall of 2021 and like they were just in rebuild mode like I think a lot of the fabric I mean obviously in a company like Industrious like it was very impacted by COVID they let go half their staff they lost a lot of institutional memory and muscle and traditions and culture and all these things and they kind of needed to build back and so a lot of my kind of focus was just like okay how do we like rebuild the foundation of this company how do we like you know remind ourselves like bring you know all these people are new they don't know what the fuck is going on they don't know like anything about the history of the company or why we do things the way we do like how do we like reinstate like strong foundation of values of our culture of norms about how we work how do we work more efficiently the organization didn't know how to work remotely together we weren't totally come hadn't even as an office company hadn't totally come back in the office together sure. yet and it was all about like literally I spent a year focused on like organizational effectiveness, which seems like the most boring shit in the world, but like is was so foundational to like getting ourselves back on the right track. What books would you recommend on that that like or just anything to educate yourself on? Because it is boring, but it's super, I guess, in bo boring in that like, you know, generic two words organizational. But like at the totally. same time, like how do you educate yourself on that? Yeah, I mean, I really like. Um, let's see I think you know there's a lot of books out there on OKRs I find them a lot a lot of them really boring I mean that was one thing like company didn't have goal set it didn't have OKRs didn't have goal setting like how do we do that how do we build that so um, there's a book called Radical Focus that I like it's actually written by somebody who used to be a teacher at GA oh very cool um, she's a product management expert I think in digital marketing I'm too gonna have to but check it out. yeah so Radical Focus I like that one it's kind of like a I like business books that end up being stories. Yeah. Like, because they're yeah. easier to like. And so, yeah, it doesn't so that, feel like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, that one I like. Um, uh, we did a lot of like five dysfunctions of a team and like figuring out like what were some of the dysfunctions that were plaguing us as leaders Very cool. down through our teams. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of the lessons we learn are just like. So much starts with trust, so much starts with culture, so much starts with values. Like those are the things, like they sound cliche and obvious, but they're, you know, they're hard. Absolutely. <laughs> and what, what are you most proud of with your work at Industrious to date? Um, I mean, we had a hard, like we had a hard road over the last couple of years because we kind of like rebounded out of COVID big. And like many companies, like overhired, like brought on, like, you know, tons of people who then we had to go through a contraction and a right sizing and did three rounds of layoffs. And that was very challenging. And, you know, in the last six months, we moved, you know, our internal engagement up about 10 points. Like the culture is in, I think, one of the strongest places. It's, I mean, certainly the strongest in the time that I've been there. And sure. from people who, like OGs at the company say like maybe the strongest it's ever been. That's amazing. So I feel really proud that I think we've been really intentional about like, you know, what are the things that make people feel motivated and engaged in their work and the things that we've really focused on are one in-person connection, 
two, like people's well-being and like work-life balance, and three, like really giving people resources to help them rocket their careers forward. And yeah. like that is the like combo that you know I feel like has been really impactful for us. That's awesome. Even when I walked into industries at Shore Deals, everybody just like had like a smile on their face and like we're stoked to be there yeah and uh i've been to some competitors and it's not it, it didn't feel the same so kudos to you well thank for, you i'm not sure i can take credit for all yeah, of it but yeah, I, that but is that is definitely that's like what you just spoke about there yeah. yeah um last question we we spoke before we go into the quick question round uh we spoke a lot about your career too like what's something you're super proud of in your personal life um being a mom to a six-year-old almost six-year-old like i you know and I feel like I don't sacrifice my job, like I don't sacrifice my job, or I don't, and I don't sacrifice him. And I, I feel like, you know, if anything gets sacrificed, it's probably my my husband or my partner. But you know, it's I think that's to me, like I love being a mom, and I love having a job that's, you know, I get for a long time in my life, I got pretty much all of my like meaning in life from my work. And I think having a kid and being a mom is probably the only other thing that's given me kind of an equal amount of like, you know, self in the way that I think my work has done. And, and what years. has being a mom taught you? Just, it doesn't even have to be work related. Just like, you know, you gotta let stuff go, which is a lesson I need to hear like kind of all the time. Like it's just like most of the stuff is just not that important. Like, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme. And that is a thing that, like, I think I've probably struggled with in my career, so. Yeah, that's a great lesson. <laughs> so we're going to open up these fortune cookies to okay. answer to get into the quick question round. Do you have a fortune cookie moment that no, you... No, I, I don't like, think I do, do you, really. Do you think of fortune cookies when you open them? There's no, like, moment I can think of that stands out of, like, I got a fortune and I was like, whoa, this, like, yeah. changed my life or something like that. But So mine says, share your light and watch the world shine brighter. Mine says, make someone's day brighter with your gift of kindness. There you go. <laughs> you got Aerie on the back of it. You got him back. Aerie, too. Oh, American yeah. American Eagle. There Aerie. we go. So let's get into the quick question round. Okay. I hope it's not about how I'm going to make someone stay brighter with my gift of kindness. There you go. <laughs> it's not. Okay. Um, so, person you'd most want to sit down to dinner with, dead or alive? Michelle Obama. She's speaking at the 92nd Street Y, or she might have just... She's just the coolest. Yeah. Favorite city in the world? Buenos Aires. Is it okay to sleep with socks on? No. There we go. I don't think Carlos here, but we've got five five with our ten podcasts we've done or whatever. It's about even. Uh, favorite rom com? Um, pretty Woman. Great one. Best spot to eat in New York? Best what? Best spot to eat in Carroll Gardens. I'm gonna actually change it to. Probably Frankie's for its classic value. Yeah. Yeah. Um, favorite. Michigan or Cornell graduate? Mm. My husband. There you go. He's a double Michigan. There you go. Uh, in 40 years, what will people be nostalgic for? Driving. 
That's a good one. One thing people don't understand about being a COO is? You're just making it up every day. There you go. Worst advice you've ever been given? FaceTime. Anything about FaceTime and sitting in the office. In one sentence, how would you sum up the internet? Garbage. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not a very, like, online person. No, there you go. And in 10 years, where can we catch you? Hopefully in Carroll Gardens still. There you go. Yeah. I'll be there. Great. Hopefully. Love Hopefully. it. Hopefully. Well, if I don't get priced out. So. We'll, <laughs> we'll meet up at the, cobble, uh, the coffee shop. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Liz. That was awesome. Thank you. It was fun. Appreciate it.